This podcast is sponsored by AltLegal. AltLegal, easy to use IP docketing with powerful automation, deadline calculation, and reporting. Hello and welcome to the Alt Trademarks Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Salmondinger. On this episode, I was joined by Josh Jarvis. Josh is a partner at Foley Hoag, contributes to the Trademark and Copyright Law blog, and was recently a part of the Don't Say Velcro viral video. You can find Josh on Twitter at J-S-J-E-S-Q. You can find out more about Alt Legal on Twitter at AltLegalHQ and at AltLegal.com. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Hi, Josh. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you're currently a partner at Foley Hoag and have been there for over 12 years. So as a little bit of background, can you tell us about your current role? Sure, sure. So my primary role, along with my colleague Natasha Reed, is overseeing and coordinating our firm's uh, trademark practice. So I help clients with high-level trademark and copyright strategy, policing, and anti-counterfeiting uh, with a focus on internet, so domain names and social media, and other uh, emerging issues. And based off of your LinkedIn, it looks like you started with Foley right after law school. So did you always want to work with a firm and work in IP? How did you sort of end up where you are? No, so I, I confess that I did not always want to work in a firm, let alone in IP. So I attended law school, I guess, because the subject matter interested me and because I am, I guess, naturally curious and enjoy school, enjoy <laughs> school more than work, um, which it turns out law school is, is a lot of work. So if that's your strategy. <laughs> um, it may backfire. But I, I didn't have a burning desire to practice for the long term, uh, especially in a large firm. So I, I think the original plan was to practice for long enough to pay off my loans and then consider pursuing something I in, actually enjoy, which would be acting or music or video game journalism or even med school. Mm-hmm. Um, needless to say, the... Uh, the law thing stuck. Turns out I enjoy practicing in a large firm, or at least at, least at Foley Hoag, because I, as you said, have been there for, um, for 12 years now. And, you know, as far as IP goes, I think that sprang naturally from my interest in, in you know, creative endeavors. And I became interested in trademarks specifically as a junior associate. Um, I actually started doing trademark work assisting John Welch, who you oh, may know sure. as the right the proprietor of the TTA blog, among other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, he he uh, when he worked at uh, at my firm, I um, did some trademark work for him. Oh, that's great! Yeah, his blog is so good. We read it all the time at All Legal. Yeah, it's a. The, the trademark world, it turns out, is um, very small. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on this a little bit before, but what issues do you sort of specialize in now? And if, if it's different, what, is, what issues in IP sort of interest you the most? So I, I specialize in the full range of, of kind of trademark copyright and domain name issues other than actual litigation, which I leave to the litigators. So mm-hmm. from trademark clearance to false advertising risk mitigation to trademark licensing uh, to IP due diligence. 
there are a few things I think that interest me the most um, and which I'm lucky enough to work on regularly. The first is, is I guess what you'd call old-fashioned trademark prosecution. So I, I love working with clients to investigate and clear and adopt new brand names, whether they're well-established companies exploring, uh, for instance, a new flavor brand for a food product or a startup company determining you know, what, what is going to be their core identity, you know, their core company name and brand. There's something very satisfying about walking into like a grocery or electronic store and seeing a, or seeing a print or TV ad and seeing a bunch of brands that you helped investigate and clear and protect and register. Um, yeah. so that's pretty cool. Yeah. The second thing uh, that I get to do regularly that I enjoy is, is kind of the application of of existing IP frameworks to emerging technologies. So like social media, for instance, which obviously has upended how we communicate and how we interact with each other and with companies and brands. So you know, trying to navigate traditional trademark and copyright laws to and how they apply to, to these to these new technologies and helping clients navigate those waters and you know how do how do how does technology for instance affect what we perceive or what is perceived as fair use from a copyright and trademark standpoint even if the law is the same law that we've been applying for the past 50 years in terms of copyright fair use how how do the norms of social media you know affect what affect best practices, for instance, in terms of enforcement, you know, I, I think one, one area where, where that's been kind of fun to, to sit back and observe when you're not in the, in the crosshairs is, is, you know, types of enforcement that, that we've always done, but in the age of social media are perceived as overly aggressive or even, even bullying to use, to use that, um, that uh, fun word. <laughs> um, so, so that's that's really interesting to me. I guess the third thing that I get to do regularly that I that I really enjoy is um, helping pro bono clients with with their IP issues. So my firm, Foley Hoag, has a has a strong and longstanding commitment to social justice, and it frequently supports organizations uh, similarly committed by providing pro bono legal advice, including. IP advice. So women entrepreneurs, artistic organizations dedicated to, say, getting urban youth involved in artistic after-school activities. Um, so I've been lucky enough to, to support these organizations in my own, my own admittedly kind of, I guess, niche way. <laughs> That's great, though. That's awesome. And you also contribute to the Trademark and Copyright Law blog, which I find myself on all the time. So how did you get involved with that and how do you choose sort of what you're going to write about? Yeah, so the the trademark and copyright law blog started out at Foley as an infrequently updated marketing vehicle, I think, for our firm's trademark copyright and unfair competition practice group. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been involved in the blog from from its inception, but it when when I first got involved, it wasn't really, it was, it was a shadow of what it is now. A few years ago, my partner, Dave Cluft, started really 
you know, putting time and energy into, into the blog. And he's a, I mean, he, he writes, I would say 75% of the articles and he's, so he's a prolific and, and entertaining writer. And he, he really brought the blog to the next level. So he and my colleague, Natasha Reed edit the blog now. Um, and they do a really fantastic job. There's, I mean, as, as you've noticed, there's, there's good analysis, there's timely alerts and commentary. So, so just great stuff. Yeah, and I've, I think it's actually been featured in the blog, B-L-A-W-G-100, yeah, um, for yeah. the past two or three years. Yeah, it's a really good resource. I always see links to it on Twitter when I'm you know, looking for new articles and things like that. It comes up all the time. Excellent. Our, our <laughs> search engine optimization is working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the SEO is paying off. Yes. So I actually reached out to you, and this will kind of make sense with, you know, you mentioned before, some of your interests, I reached out to you after watching what I think is considered now a viral video that you were in, um, which is the Don't Say Velcro video, which I'll link to in the show notes. But for those who didn't see it, which everyone should, and as I mentioned, I'll link to it so you can watch it. It's a video that you were a part of, and I'll just maybe let you kind of describe the video and how it came about. Sure. So, so the video is how to best describe it. It's a musical video. It's mostly a bunch of actors who are playing lawyers of the Velcro companies. And they're singing in a very sort of we are the world absurdly dramatic way about the Velcro trademark and regarding its proper use. So it's a really bold, I would say, and catchy song. I mean, the refrain is, um, and I won't swear, but it, the refrain is, this is effing hook and loop. <laughs> With, uh, so the refrain is an important consumer message. Um, you know, use the Velcro mark properly because it's a brand and not a thing. So, so it, although it's not clear from the video itself, it's, um, I should note that most, most of the folks in the video are, in fact, professional actors playing lawyers. So I am uh, most decidedly not a professional actor and there's one other real lawyer in the video which is the velcro company's in-house legal consultant alexandra denive um, so she and i are both in the chorus and i watched so i watched the behind the scenes um where you're interviewed and you said that you were roped in because quote you're a bit of a ham um, but can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with all those actors and i guess the other legal team members as well yeah of course so so Foley Hoag has represented the Velcro companies in connection with trademark matters and other types of matters for many years, um, much longer than I've been at, at the firm. But I've been working with the company for, I guess, over a decade at this point in connection with prosecution and policing for the Velcro brand and other brands of the Velcro companies. So the video is just one of the many, many brand protection strategies that the Velcro companies use to support the Velcro trademark. So certainly it's a bit bolder and more in your face than, than I, would, I would say our standard trademark protection and enforcement work entails. So, and to be clear, the video, the video itself wasn't <clears throat> wasn't my idea. It wasn't my firm's idea. It was driven by a cooperative effort between the legal team at Velcro and the brand team at the Velcro companies. Um, 
and particularly um, Alex Deneve, who I mentioned in the legal department, and Julie Berry, um, who is the global director of brand. And of course, the, the creative and production came from Penn Holderness and, and the Walk West team in North Carolina. And we and other outside counsel provided some guidance, but it was really a group effort in which I played a, a, a very small role that I was nonetheless proud of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it becomes clear, uh, I'll also link to this landing page, which they set up, but it kind of elaborates on this idea and it, it provides even um, a quiz to tell you whether you're using the Velcro trademark correctly. Um, so you can kind of tell it's this, this well-rounded branding effort. Have you experienced any of the reaction? How has it been? Do you feel like it kind of accomplished what they had in mind when they came up with this idea? I think I think it did. I mean, the re, the reaction, as I understand it, was was mostly positive. And as you've noted, the the video I think genuinely went viral very quickly when it launched in a way that that I think the Velcro companies hoped it would. But it's really you never know with with right. these types of you know it could have been a one and done you know five hundred view type video. Um, but it but it really it really went viral. So I don't have the exact numbers, but I understand that the Velcro companies were very pleased. And it, an interesting side benefit, and not surprisingly, given the subject matter, is that the video made the rounds of the trademark bar very quickly mm -hmm. and prompted considerable discussion, not just regarding anti-genericide and brand awareness marketing efforts generally, but also discussion about um, non-traditional trademark protection strategies, you know, uh, more generally. So we've seen the video displayed at trademark and advertising law conferences as a positive example of these types of efforts. And it's my understanding that a, a number of trademark law professors have incorporated the video into their teaching materials. So uh, yeah. it's um, pretty incredible reach. And in terms of, of accomplishing what the Velcro companies set out to accomplish, I think time will tell, but certainly in the short term, the viral nature of the video and the general uh, buzz generated by the video have been exactly, I think, what the company was looking for. Because at the end of the day, the goal of the video is to reinforce the fact that Velcro is a brand and not a thing, and that message comes through pretty loud and clear. Um, and I think it was it was especially gratifying to the company to see the campaign compared by various outlets um, to the famous and successful Xerox brand campaigns of the late of the late 1980s, which you know kind of were similarly aimed at educating consumers as to the um, as to the, the the Xerox brand. Right. Yeah, I was going to mention that even outside legal circles. I mean, I had some friends who started asking me to explain genericide to them, uh, which I thought was, you know, a funny effect from a viral video. But it was also really great. And it seemed like a lot of people, when I was on YouTube looking at it, there's a lot of comments where people are, you know, sort of actively trying to understand this trademark concept. So, I mean, in general, just, and I, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but for the Velcro company, but also sort of in a broader sense, do you think that dialogue is helpful? Do you think that the engaging with customers and slowly bringing them into the world of trademarks is going to have sort of a net positive effect? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the dialogue is helpful. I mean, I mean, on one hand, you have, you have um, comments on like, 
the on like a YouTube video where, you know, acknowledging that YouTube comments are sort of a maligned cesspool of internet comments platforms. <laughs> um, you know, you have you have reactions like one of my favorite <laughs> favorites was something like, you know, F you Velcro. I'm still gonna call it Velcro. If that makes you feel bad, grab a Kleenex. Um, <laughs> which I thought that was both yeah. offensive and clever, um, <laughs> unlike most YouTube comments. But, yeah. I mean, in terms of, of the dialogue being helpful, I think, I think it is helpful from, from two different perspectives. From the legal perspective, it's helpful because even if people don't start calling uh, the product hook and loop by its generic name right away, it reminds them that, that the Velcro brand is first and foremost a brand. Even if they, even if they say Velcro accidentally, or, or in case of this YouTube guy, in spite of, in spite of the, our, you know, the educational efforts, uh, the fact is they, the, these people recognize that Velcro is in fact um, a brand. And I think from a marketing perspective, of course, it, it engages the consumer. You know, the overwhelming reaction to the video was positive. Um, it was fun, it was creative, and it was catchy. And the surrounding marketing collateral and Twitter takeover kind of reinforced the marketing folks' goals, or the, I should say the brand's goals of having consumers engage, you know, not just with the Velcro brand products themselves, but the Velcro brand itself. I don't know if you saw the um, the Twitter takeover that happened post post video. Did you see that? No, I didn't. So what what the brand did, and again in collaboration with the Walk West team and Penn Holderness, they they went on Twitter and they had these actors, these um, actors uh, who were two of the actors who were in the video, one playing a guitar and one singing. And they, in real time, um, tweeted at people who were misusing the Velcro mark uh-huh. and made up songs on the fly about, about <laughs> you know, directed at these people who, who, who just happened to be on Twitter, you know, misusing the, the, the Velcro brand. And, and it was really um, a, an interesting and way to engage with, with consumers or potential consumers in a way that kind of uh, is fun and also reinforces the um, the brand. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, maybe only time will tell if this campaign could actually sort of change people's habits. But you know, the one-on-one uh, improv uh, <laughs> sort of correction might do the trick. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. And you know, as for what lies in store for the Velcro companies in the future, you know, I don't know if you'll see something like this anytime soon, but I'm positive that the Velcro companies intend to engage with consumers in kind of similarly creative ways, uh, including on the subject of trademark protection and, and, and sort of brand awareness. Yeah, and I think that's great. This was such a, it was such a fun thing to watch and sort of watch everyone engage with it in real time as well. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> so to wrap up these interviews, I usually just like to ask people a series of rapid fire questions that are just for fun. Are you ready? I, I, I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> um, it's, it's not too scary. Don't worry. Um, okay. Where do you get your legal news? Uh, that's a good question. So Twitter mostly because it, you know, it's just so fast, you know, news as it breaks. And also the usual news aggregators like Law360, Mondag, JD Supra, and, and, 
and those those types. Okay, and what's your favorite social media platform? <laughs> so, I find them to all all be fairly diabolical for one <laughs> reason or the other, but I guess I love to hate them. And if, um, so, I, I of all of them, I guess I love the speed and kind of bite-sized nature of Twitter. Um, I, it, it's just so amazing to be able to find out what is happening in real time and to interact with people that you would never um, have the opportunity to interact with in, you know, pre-social media. So I'm still wary of this 280 character thing. Oh, yeah. Big change. Yeah. I guess it's the best yeah. of the worst, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, who's your favorite attorney? It can be real or fictional? So. I bet you get a lot of Jack McCoy, Atticus Finch, Perry Mason answers sure, <laughs> to this question. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a deep cut, and that is Sandy Cohen from the oh, hit Fox mid-aughts primetime drama, The OC. Wow, that is a great answer, and no one has right? ever answered that before. Then no one ever will again. <laughs> Played by the uh, inimitable Peter Gallagher. I might steal that for if anyone ever asks me in the future. Cause that's a good answer. He's such a he's such a great character. The eyebrows alone are you know. I know, right? <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't an attorney? So I'd probably be uh, a struggling musician or composer or a struggling actor. I'd be struggling. I'd be struggling <laughs> one way or the other. I promise. Um, what's one piece of legal advice that you wish more people knew? Maybe just like one little takeaway. So, very trademark specific legal advice: file intent to use trademark applications in the United States. Uh, don't wait until you actually begin using a mark, and also hire an attorney to do it because it's much easier. I and mean, not just. Uh, out of self-interest, but right. it's much easier to get good advice and do it right than to pay the price um, for a flawed filing later on. And then what's one good piece of advice, or if you can think of it, the best piece of advice that you've ever received? So my dad, I think, or someone, it might not have been my dad, told me once, uh, don't speak unless you have something interesting or valuable to add to the conversation. So I follow this advice only periodically. <laughs> okay, that's it. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, do you have any parting words of wisdom, anything that we didn't cover? I, I will not presume to part with words of wisdom. Uh, <laughs> give, give me a few years to become wise. <laughs> All right. And if any of the listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? So I am on Twitter at um, JSJ, Joshua Samuel Jarvis, JSJ Esquire. Oh, sorry, JSJESQ. And you can find me over at the um, Trademark and Copyright Law blog, or you could just search Google for Josh Jarvis Lawyer. We've, we, we have great SEO folks at Folio Ag. <laughs> okay, perfect. And I'll link to those in the show notes as well. Thanks so much, Josh. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's this week's episode. Thank you for joining us and see you next time.